Hello and welcome to the Bridge in the Gap podcast. Happy New Year. I always forget how, like, when do you stop saying Happy New Year? Is it the first week of January? I, I reckon you keep saying it for the first week, can't you? It's only the fifth. Yeah, it's kind of like a Christmas tree, isn't it? Eventually it has to, to fade away. It's coming down tomorrow, a yeah. Christmas tree. Oh, I took ours down yesterday. It is a bit sad, like, isn't it? Um, Christmas as well, truly, in the rear view mirror. <sighs> well, on that on that cheery <laughs> note, um, we're here. We're going to be looking at, uh, I nearly said Psalm 127, but it was actually 1 Corinthians 15. More mm-hmm. on that later. Um, but we're going to have a wee chat with Matt about lots of different things. But first of all, Matt... Can you tell us two or three books, you love your books, two or three books that you got for Christmas and are looking forward to reading? Yeah, um, I can mention a few if you promise not to laugh. I have a feeling you might laugh. But uh, I, I got one of the books I got was uh, Barack Obama's autobiography, Promised Land. I've nearly finished reading it already, actually. Nice. Great read, fascinating read. And then, as I usually do every Christmas, um, got a small pile of theology books that were on my wish list that I got. They'll probably take me ages to read through. So there's a series called Foundations of Evangelical Theology. I read a few of them before, and I've got a few more of those volumes. And it'll probably take me the year to get through them, to be honest. But I like like doing a bit of that in the background too. So looking forward to getting into them. Very nice. So like, here's a question. You know the way usually at the bottom of your stocking, you always have like the weird apple and orange and banana that your parents leave you. Did you have theology books screwing up, or what? Like, what goes on there? Oh I yeah, I got to say, Dave, I never, you, you're more old-fashioned than me and your family, obviously. But I, I'd never had the apple or orange either. But oh. no, I, I didn't have them as a teenager. But since I've um, since I've been in ministry and a bit before, I've always liked having a good theology book to stretch my brain as well as uh, you know warm my heart. So you can make fun all you like, but I'm going to keep getting theology books for my birthday and Christmas. Very nice. Well, um, well, what what were you most thankful for over the Christmas break there? Mm. Um, well, time. I mean, we we missed not seeing the the, the neath side of the family. Mm. Uh, Christmas, obviously, for uh, obvious reasons. But um, the flip side was that it was a, a less busy Christmas. So, Kath and I and the kids just had lots of time together. I, I think the kids would say they appreciated the same thing. So, <laughs> lions watching movies, playing games as a family, and uh, it was just a really chilled Christmas week, which which I'm very grateful for. We find in in our house that whenever you're just stuck with one another you have to make more of an effort for the little things so we end up playing charades on new year's eve and i absolutely loved it and i think it's because the combination of we're making the most of this dire situation and just mm. the silliness that ensued it was just one of those things incidentally like, we we played uh charades several times <laughs> in our family on christmas but my kids are insisting on saying charades so i don't know if that's your fault or american stuff they're watching but i think it's charades personally my fiance, my fiance says garage, so I feel like garage and charades is very that should be acceptable. inconsistent, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um. Sorry. Side point. So okay. So we were doing our model verse on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a church that does a model verse, so it's very interested to know. Have we always done it? Why do we do it? Mm. What's the process? And you decide and what happens. Well, yeah, it's interesting. As far as I can remember, I've not been part of a church that's done Motoverse before either. It's it's um, for the Bridge Church. It's kind of a tradition we've inherited. When I arrived at Highfields Pomprenai, uh back at the start of 2016, we were following the pattern then, along with Highfields, of a January Motoverse. and I found it helpful personally to continue with, with that tradition. So, 
uh, it's a tradition. It's not set in stone. We don't mm. have to do it, but um, we've done it year on year, and I've personally found it helpful. Some years, it's been the Highfields motto verse. So when we were Highfields Pomper and I, we did the same motto verse as them mm. most of the time. Some years, it's been where there's been an important emphasis based on our conversations as elders or conversations as a church. So a few years back, we did Matthew 28, Great Commission. Mm. Sometimes it's just how I felt the Lord has led me personally, like with Romans twelve twelve last year. And I guess this year's verse, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, kind of falls into that category. I felt that was speaking to me and, and hoped it would be helpful for the church. So um, there's a variety of reasons we get to the motto verse we get to, but it's kind of an, inher- um, an inheritance, um, <laughs> a tradition we've inherited uh, having come out of Highfields. So, okay, bit of honesty here from you whenever the past 2020 we've just had you mm. must have felt pretty class smashing romans 12 because <laughs> it was perfect for the year we had well it goes great it was isn't it and yeah, I, a good answer <laughs> I, I definitely i definitely wasn't rubbing my hands together at the start of 2020 thinking yes that what a brilliant motor verse that's going to fit perfectly it just felt like a, a good verse to, to to go with yeah and then we could see then as the year went on couldn't we in god's providence he'd given us a verse that I, I guess we all really needed yeah great good answer um well anyone who if you read your emails and you should read your emails because time goes into that but if you read your Dave's email time. yeah my time goes into it um so if you read your email you'll have noticed that we had sam 127 originally as the pastor we're going to do and then it switched to 1 corinthians fifteen fifty eight. so w- what happened there did the Lord lead you in a different direction or what What happened? Uh, I, I I think the Lord did lead me in a, a different direction, but um, I, th- I think I am um, uh, probably a little bit disorganized as well, if I'm honest. Uh, so I should probably say sorry to Dave, who who very conscientiously put Psalm 127 in the weekly email and then I kind of changed <laughs> things. There are a few reasons. Uh, as I was praying it through, for example, 1 Corinthians 15:58 kind of covers the same territory as psalm 127 verse 1 which is where i was going Mm. um about things done in the lord and for the lord not being in vain but i guess one of the reasons i went with the corinthians verse is that our motto verse as we have it now states states those things positively rather negatively which i figure might be good for a motto verse for the year but uh, the main thing i think for me as i was spending a bit of time in 1 corinthians 15 it was the theme of the resurrection life to come and how our labours in the Lord are part of the resurrection life to come. That's what really grabbed me in the end. Hmm. And that's what led me away from Psalm 127 and to, to the motto verse that, that we ended up with. This is as always helpful in the Christian life, isn't it? Whenever I talk to non-Christian people, they say, oh, you don't get to do all these fun things. And I, hmm. I sort of think to myself, I don't often think of my Christian life as I don't get to do these things. I rather think of I get to do yeah. all these. I mean, I get to live for the Lord, which is class. Hmm. Um, that's a massive understatement. It's class, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's wonderful. As we in the same way with the model verse, both say a similar truth, but we're always going to want to go positive, more yeah. positive than yeah. negative, aren't we? Um, okay, cracking on. We are saying looking at what you said where you said paul stresses that the resurrection was real and therefore it impacts everything i don't know about you listeners but i don't regularly focus on the resurrection so i was wondering how can we focus on the resurrection more in our day-to-day lives because Mm -hmm. eternity feels so far away yeah 
I, I think for me, it's it's quite basic, really. It's reading about it more. Hmm. So, for example, why, if someone else is listening to this thinking the same thing as you, how do I make sure I think about my future resurrection more? Well, hmm. why not spend a week um, or maybe even a month if you want to do it really slowly, reading slowly through 1 Corinthians 15 with the help of a good commentary or a good study Bible. So reading what God's Word says about the resurrection. Hmm. Um and thanking God for the hope of resurrection more in our prayers. You know, I think I tend to thank um, the Lord so much for, for the cross and for Jesus' death for obvious reasons. <laughs> but how much do I thank Jesus that because of his resurrection, I will rise? So, you know, reading about it more, um, mentioning it more in our prayers. And and also, maybe slightly controversial this one, but I, th- I think it's it's secondary but a good thing to do using sort of biblically inspired imaginations to think about and try and imagine what will it be like I mean mm. we won't completely be able to understand no eye has seen or ear heard what mm. the Lord has prepared for those who love him but um, to try and use our imagination informed by scripture to think more about what it will be like just to get ourselves excited about the fact we will be raised I often think whenever I think about the resurrection where I think about heaven more whenever bad things have happened. So if I if I hurt myself or get injured, hmm. I think won't it be amazing that, you know, one day I will never feel pain again. Yeah. And yeah. in those moments that's when I feel I have a greater insight in, yeah. or I'm thinking more about heaven because I'm just like, Oh, one day this won't be a thing hmm. and that that almost fills me with joy in that moment even though i'm filled with pain because i'm like actually this is gonna this is gonna fade like yeah i I think that's good actually you know tying it to to present reality because i I found over the years especially speaking to more uh elderly saints that they they talk they tend to talk a lot more about eternity and about the resurrection hope and won't the resurrection body be wonderful i remember thinking as a young christian well yeah and sort of smiling (laughs) (laughs) but uh speaking for myself now in my late 40s i won't say exactly how old uh i'm I was talking to you about injuries earlier, bouncing back from stuff less quickly. Mm-hmm. It naturally should make us think about the fact that our bodies are breaking down. But the, the wonderful thing for the Christian is we get a new one, a renewed body one day. This is real. This is going to happen. This is future history. And uh, making us, ourselves think about that it can only be a good thing. I love whenever I talk to older saints and they talk about glory. Mm. It just sounds amazing. That sounds yeah. like such a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like whenever... If I'm talking to someone who isn't a Christian, I say, oh, well, like, I'm going to go to heaven. Mm. Heaven, you know, culture has quite an abstract view of what heaven is. But if you say glory, glory just sounds totally different. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, Dave, we need to work that in more to prayers and preaching in the next few weeks. Get that word glory in there more. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, we're going to keep going. So you mentioned about how life with Jesus is full of purpose. And, well, that means that life without Jesus doesn't have purpose ultimately i mm. suppose is the reverse mm. but why is it good news amidst covid19 amidst all the uncertainty why is it good news that life with jesus is full of purpose mm. um well because the lockdown things uh the hidden things and definitely the small and frustrating things when we see all of those in light of this verse those things are transformed into things of deep and lasting value so, so one obvious area I didn't really go into on Sunday um, is how our day jobs, which in many cases have got harder and have been interrupted or disrupted by COVID, our, our day jobs are ministry for mm. the Lord when they're deliberately done for him. So 
we often fall into talking in the church about ministry as being stuff that ministers do, maybe elders, maybe missionaries, and then everybody else has got jobs. But actually, it's all ministry when done for Christ. So the reformers like Luther and Calvin and others, they were very clear that the Bible was clear that every job, whether it's paid or unpaid, done for Jesus is a calling. It's a ministry. And Tim Keller's really good on this in, in every good endeavor. I haven't read the whole book yet, but <laughs> good stuff in there. Um, that for the Christian, whatever we do when done for Christ is ministry. It is calling. So that physio or doctor or nurse or teacher or stay-at-home parent or unemployed person who's serving others in the church without much recognition, all those people are doing the work of the Lord and can abound in doing that, knowing that in the Lord none of that work effort is wasted when they're doing it with their eyes fixed on Jesus. It's part of God's calling for them. So uh, as you drive, maybe right now, you're driving to work or dropping the kids off in, well, actually you won't be dropping the kids off in school <laughs> for the next few weeks. Um, yeah, but as you listen to this, whatever you're doing, you are doing whatever you're doing laboring in the lord and that is not in vain if you are doing it deliberately for him seeking by his grace to be the best christian physio teacher parent whatever it may be mm. that you can be is there romans 12 isn't it that in view of god's mercy mm. offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to him it just transforms all of your life like it's like it's it sounds so silly but like you cook a meal to the glory of god because he made food good he made yeah. you good mm. you like a good cook yeah. and you do it not to to glorify him with the gifts he's given you it's well it's just encouraging because purpose yeah. doesn't it i think it's so important it's so important any year but off the back of 2020 because one of the things i was well i found myself saying sometimes and heard a lot of people in the church saying was in all the frustration in all the change that that that, that, that is that sense of having to do lots of little things lots of repetitive things and it's hard to see sometimes how that's worthwhile yeah and for me this is really helpful and transformative because it transforms those little frustrating things when they're done for jesus into something great something so so important so slight side point but small small little things making a big difference mm. i'm trying to get in a bit better shape for my wedding lord willing yeah and all the advice in terms of fitness etc it's small little things make a big difference so it's it's the battle of the unseen things isn't it in yeah. the christian life it's is the things where you think no one sees this no one cares no one's interested actually god's doing a lot in the unseen because preparing yeah. you for something something big and that big thing might be glory yeah amen okay let's keep going um so you said about we should aim to do sometimes the mundane tasks with our eyes fixed on Jesus and for Jesus. Mm. How do we do that day to day whenever sometimes we are just blown away at how boring some things can be? <laughs> so how do we fix our eyes on Jesus, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I was conscious I'd use that phrase, but then everybody's got to ask for themselves, I suppose, yeah, what does that actually look like? So I can only speak for myself, really, but I have to be quite basic about this, keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus in everything I'm doing. Um, that I need to get much better at. I think for me it involves telling the Lord as I start the day for him that I want to do today in service and gratitude to him. So maybe out loud, mm -hmm. um, maybe quietly, but telling the Lord that, talking to him um, as I do my tasks of the day. Obviously for most people, as they do their daily tasks, they might have to do that silently and not out loud. They don't mm -hmm. want to freak other people out, but <laughs> just talking to him during the day. 
And also a phrase that we've used before, preaching the gospel to ourselves, preaching the gospel to myself daily, reminding myself that all I do now should flow from these gospel truths. I, I'm doing it all in light of what Jesus has done for me to pay for my sins. And also I'm doing it in light of what he will do for me, which is raise me from the dead <laughs> and bring me into the fullness of his kingdom. So it's talking to the Lord, telling him I'm doing it for him and preaching the gospel to myself and applying it to what I'm doing right now or trying to anyway. That sort of reality that God saved you in Christ and he saved you knowing that you would be doing mm. this mundane task. Yeah, that's quite it's, thought, isn't it? It's quite staggering. Yeah. Um, but as you say, speaking out loud to the Lord. Because we see in the Psalms, don't we? Psalmists telling how they actually feel in moments. Uh, I've definitely at times been like, Lord, I really could not be bothered doing this. So I need... Mm. I need your fruit of the spirit of patience in this situation. It's just, it's helpful, isn't it, to talk talk to God about yeah. how you're doing? Because yeah. it's a relationship, obviously. Um, and, and, to, and to talk to yourself too. You know, there's a blessed Lord on my soul. Yeah. That's that's you know the psalmist preaching to himself, preaching to his soul. Come on, and, and so that's a biblical thing to do as well. Yeah. So we're we're sure going all over the shop here, but we've talked about resurrection life. You mentioned about how, as Christians, we are living part of our eternal lives now in Christ because we've already been raised with Christ. Mm. But why does it so often feel like, you know, surely living my eternal life in Jesus is my best life? Why does it not feel like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess the, the short answer is because we don't have the full experience of eternal life yet. It's begun, but we don't have the fullness of it yet until we see the lord but to break it down a bit i guess it's because we we live in a fallen anti-god world you know the, the world that we, we're seeing in revelation already that it's against god and against the lamb that's the world we live in right now um because we still struggle with indwelling sin mm. because we don't spend quality time reading and meditating on these wonderful truths in god's word you know it's it's not legalism to say we need to be praying and reading our bibles every day this is how we um, find that eternal life becomes more real to us as we're spending time with the Lord and in his word. So for all those reasons, I guess, it doesn't always feel like eternal life has begun for us. And because we do have creaking bodies and we struggle with our mental health, mm. but we have to remember that it's not what we feel that's most important, it's what's real, it's what's most important. And um, And this is where, again, continuing to circle back to scripture and preaching these truths to ourselves is, is so important. Having said all that, that it's it's not what we feel that's most important. I, I wish I did feel the reality of eternity more. So we can pray that for each other. You mm. can pray that for me. Just to, just ask that the future that lies ahead of us becomes more real to us daily. Yeah. And it's, you can feel a certain way. You need to remind yourself of the facts, don't you? Like I may feel this way in this moment, but actually the facts are that I am raised in Christ, even whenever I don't feel like I am. Yeah. Um, so I think we're nearly at the end no. oh, don't the train. Know, yeah don't know if you heard the train <laughs> <laughs> so um, you said it's in the little things that God is most glorified do you, actually, do you really mean that because surely you know the big massive things are more important to God can 
Can you help us here? So, so I often get nervous when you, you quote me back to me, Dave. I mean, <laughs> uh, Dave gave me a heads up on this one uh, that he was going to ask this. So I, I went back and, and uh, re-listened to my sermon. I thought, did I say it exactly that way? Um, it maybe didn't help myself in how I constructed you can that say sentence. It, you can say it was... that I didn't listen properly. <laughs> no, you did. But uh, basically, that was a very long sentence there. So I did say as part of it, uh, in the little things, God is most glorified. But a little bit earlier in the sentence, I'd use the word sometimes. Sometimes it's in the meantime things, the little things that God is most glorified. So certainly wasn't trying to say that God is most glorified in the little things and in the big things he's not. Hmm. Uh, I guess where I was going with that is that um, he's definitely glorified in the big things too. But I, I wanted us to be encouraged that when we do those things um, that only the Lord is watching, nobody else knows about that that's that's what shows us who our master truly is mm. uh, that in the things that others might not see or might not appreciate jesus is pleased when we do it with our eyes fixed on him that in the apparently insignificant and even the frustrating things when we do them for jesus we're doing the work of the lord and our labor in him that is immensely valuable and that will in some way last into eternity so it's not that God is most glorified in the little things and not in the big things. But I was trying to encourage us, I guess, that in the little things too, uh, he is really glorified when we do it for him. It's amazing to think about, you know, we have the accounts of Jesus' life, but we don't have his 30 years, mm. you know, where mm. he grew up, worked as a carpenter, did unseen work, unheralded work. And to think, he obeyed and fulfilled the law perfectly in those years. Mm. Like that is small, yeah. small, insignificant things. And yet mm. God, God's most glorified in the cross because Jesus was obedient his whole life. Mm. I find it, one of the phrases that's used there in the gospel, isn't it, is that he grew in favor in those years, mm. grew in favor with God and man um, so that, that Jesus was, was growing uh, and developing and, and serving his God, even though this is the Son of God, but he's mm. he's serving his God in those those almost silent years that we know almost nothing about. It's a good example of how Jesus is a, a pioneer and perfecter of our faith in that as well, in the small things. Quite a thought. Yeah. Mm. And we have his righteousness. That is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, I'm so Welsh. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're well, important theological term there. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, see if I met John Owen or Calvin or any of these boys, they'd slap me like because my chat is so rubbish. Um, there. Well, we're ending on that note. Can't believe it. Um, hope you enjoy this. We are back next week, back in Revelation. Mm-hmm. So you can be praying for Matt as he yeah, sum- summarizes Revelation eight and nine on Sunday. Uh, that's right. Yeah, two chapters we're going to try and take on Sunday. So. Yeah, much prayer needed for everybody <laughs> <laughs> okay nice see you soon bye bye cheers